0: Thank you. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful to know you and to be known by you. We're thankful for your love that sent Jesus to the cross. We're thankful for your grace that allows us to be your children to be able to call you Father. And Father, today we're thankful for your presence, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening in our lives. We can know for sure that you are there. And we are so grateful for that. We ask for your help and your guidance as we go through your word again today. Father, I pray that what you have brought us to today would be just what many need. You keep doing that over and over again, Father, and, and we trust that that will take place again today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> many of you know that uh, my son-in-law and... My youngest son are both in bands and do a lot of traveling and concerts. And I would guess there are a lot of people and some here today who have had the thought at one time or another that it would be kind of cool to be a musician traveling around, um, doing concerts and recording and All that stuff. Uh, My son-in-law travels all over the country and all over the world doing that. Our youngest son travels all over the Twin Cities doing that. And because of their experience, we've had a chance to get a pretty good look at that whole lifestyle. It's not as glamorous as you would think. And they would tell you that. They love it but they would tell you it's not as glamorous as people think. <clears throat> you have the the late nights. You have the set-up, take-down, set-up, take-down, day after day. You have sleeping in buses. You have sleeping on airplanes. You have sleeping in hotels. Different place almost every night. And then you have... The green room. You've heard of the green room, right? The green room is the room at a venue where the band hangs out until it's their time to go on stage. And usually there's some couches there, some chairs, um, and usually some food and and drinks for the bands. I've been in some green rooms. And I've learned things. The first thing I've learned is that the green room isn't green. I've never seen a green green room, but they call it a green room. Unless you're in some big, beautiful facility, most green rooms are dumps. Many times they're in the basement of the venue. Uh, Sometimes they're behind the stage in some storage room, and they've just set up couches and a table with some food and and drinks. It's not glamorous. And yet there are still people who dream of having that kind of life, to live the life of a musician. Today we're going to uh, take a look at the life of an Apostle, specifically the life of the Apostle Paul. And uh, what we're going to see is not a great advertisement for that position. Paul is going to describe what it's like to be an Apostle. And his description is not something that you would want to put out there to encourage people to live that kind of life. And we're going to look at three places in his letters to the Corinthians where he describes his life as an apostle. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, We're going to mainly read the three passages. I'll make a few comments, but I think uh, the content of these passages is pretty clear as it describes what it was like to live as an apostle. So the first place we're going to look is in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Now this is uh, a year before Paul writes the letter we've been studying called 2 Corinthians. So this is a year before. And uh, starting in verse 9, let's look at how Paul describes his life as an apostle. 1 Corinthians 4, 9. He says, For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. Now let's just stop there so we know the, the, uh, the context of this. Paul is taking us to this scene after a battle, after a war, when a Roman general would come back from the victory, and he would be leading his soldiers and, and slaves. And at the very back of this procession would be the prisoners of war that they have taken. And you can pretty much count on where those prisoners are heading when the Romans bring them back. Probably to the arena. And uh, Paul uses that picture. And, and and he says, it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display At the end of the procession, like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to men. We're just right out there. We're a spectacle. People looking at us. It's like we're in our own reality TV show and everybody in the world gets to see our lives. We're a spectacle. Verse 10. We are fools for Christ. Now you get sarcastic. But you are strong. You are wise. We're weak. You're strong. You're honored. We're dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we're cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. I don't know how he could do that. But he, but he says, you know, we're cursed, but we try to bless. We're persecuted, but we just endure it. We're slandered. People say things against us, but we answer kindly. And then he makes this statement. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Now he's using some pretty tame language for what he means here. But he says this is how we feel sometimes as apostles. We feel like the scum of the earth by how we're treated, how people talk about us. And, of course, we've been learning in 2 Corinthians that there's all these accusations and criticisms floating around there concerning Paul. Accusations that aren't true. Criticism that isn't accurate. And Paul says, very honestly, I think, sometimes we feel like the scum of the earth. Sometimes we feel like the refuse of the world. You probably heard the phrase, Send in the Clowns. There's a Broadway musical where that song, there's a song called Send in the Clowns clowns is, is sung. And the phrase, Send in the Clowns, came from back in the days of kings and royalty. And if you've watched the movies or or read books, you know that uh, kings had their jesters in their court. They're clowns, is really what they were. And at those times when a king was feeling down, was feeling sad, things weren't going well, maybe they'd lost a battle, maybe... uh It was just a hard day, a hard week, a hard month for dear old king. He would say, what? Send in the jesters. Send in the clowns. So they can make me feel good. So they can help me laugh. So they can say and do some things that will give me some joy. Because this is really a hard situation. And that's where the phrase, send in the clowns, came from. I wonder if there were times when Paul almost felt that way, where he could have said, send in the clowns. This is getting so hard. This is such a struggle. I'm feeling the scum of the earth, the way people are talking, the way they're treating me. Send in the clouds, clowns. I need to laugh. <laughs> I need to smile. I need to escape from how I'm feeling. Let's go to Second Corinthians. <clears throat> to uh the book that we're studying. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter six. <clears throat> As I said, this is a, le- a year later. Paul is writing this letter called Second Corinthians. And uh, the, the question becomes, has it gotten better? Have things improved since what we just read a year before? How's the life of the Apostle Paul going now? So let's see. Second Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 6. Starting in verse 3, he says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Uh, you got to hand it to Paul. He was very careful about his ministry. He did not want his ministry to be discredited. And so he was very careful in how he carried it out. That's probably why the accusations and criticisms were so hard on him. Because in his heart, he was trying so hard to not be a stumbling block so his ministry wouldn't be discredited. Verse 4, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, You know, you can just read the book of Acts, and there are a number of riots in different cities because of him and his ministry and uh, the opposition uh, stirring up the crowds. Uh, Paul had to experience many situations where there were riots in these towns. He goes on, sleepless nights and hunger. But also, besides those things, he says in verse 6, In purity, understanding, patience and kindness. This is on his part. In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In truthful speech and in the power of God. With weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. need to stop there to know what he's talking about. Weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. He's probably thinking of uh, a soldier. And in the right hand, the soldier would uh, carry his offensive weapons, his spear, his sword. And in the left hand, he would carry his defensive weapon, his what? Shield. Okay? So Paul says, in this life of mine as an apostle, my ministry, I carry Weapons of righteousness, not a sword, not a a spear, not a a shield, but weapons of righteousness in my right hand, offensive, in my left hand, defensive. Weapons of righteousness as I live out the life of an apostle. Verse 8, through glory and dishonor, he experienced them both. Glory, dishonor. Bad report and good report. He experienced them both. Bad reports said about him, good reports. Genuine, yet regarded as imposters. There were those who believed Paul was genuine, but there were those who believed he was a fake, an imposter. Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. He came so close to death, so many times, but he lived on. Beaten, and yet not killed. I wonder if sometimes, after a beating, Paul would have wished he'd been killed. Verse 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. (laughs) Experience sorrow, but also rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. I mean, you, you, you read... That little portion, these contrasts that Paul experienced, and it feels like a yo-yo, you know, or a ping-pong ball, just back and forth, back and forth, all these different kinds of experiences as an apostle. And then we come to verses 11 to 13, which to me are very sad, but Paul is being real here. He directly addresses these Corinthians. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours. From us. I mean, just, just think about having to write those words as an apostle who spent a year and a half with these people, led many of them to Christ, helped them start their church. And he's been trying to, in the last year, help them through some other issues. And he says... We've spoken freely to you. We opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. See, some of the Corinthians in that church were tending to believe the critics. They were tending to believe some of the false accusations against Paul. And he says, I keep loving you. I keep opening my heart to you. I don't take my affection away from you. And you have just stopped loving me. You haven't opened your heart to me. You've closed it. You ever had somebody close their heart to you? You ever had an experience where you really cared about somebody? And whatever the situation was, they have chosen to close their heart towards you. And you've made the choice to continue your affection and keep your heart open wide toward them. So it becomes this one-way thing, this one-way relationship. If you've had that experience, you know what Paul is feeling with the Corinthians. And then in verse 13, he says, As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. That's how I feel about you. Open wide your hearts also. It's like Paul is saying. You know, the fair thing would be that if I have continued to open my heart to you, That you would choose to open your heart again to me? It's like he's saying, doesn't that sound like a fair exchange? I mean, this guy has been brought through the ringer. You know? His life is like a blizzard. And I'm not talking a DQ blizzard. This man's life is like it's uphill all the time. This guy's days sound pretty heavy, the Apostle Paul. And all the things he's experiencing, good and bad, but it's just back and forth. But it's like the big deal to him is that as much as he has opened his heart to these people and invested in them, and as much as he cares for them and still has affection for them, they've closed their hearts to him. And he's saying what any of us would say. Come on, guys. It seems fair. Fair exchange. I open my heart to you, love you, Can't you open your heart to me? There's another description. Chapter 11. He comes back to this subject later in the letter. Chapter 11, starting in verse 16. And he continues the same thread here as he describes the life of an apostle. Eleven sixteen. He says, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do (laughs) if you if you do think I'm a fool, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self confident boasting I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. <clears throat> I think uh, I think Paul is really uncomfortable with the fact that he has to defend himself. I think he's really uncomfortable having to address um, the, the accusations, the, the criticism. I don't think Paul wants to do this. Um, it, it goes against who he is. He, he doesn't want to spend his time. Defending himself. And and you kind of get that feeling of discomfort here as he's talking. <clears throat> Verse 18. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. A little sarcastic, ironic here. In fact, You even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. A little irony there, a little humor even, where he talks about people that they're willing to tolerate, that they're willing to believe, probably referring to these critics and accusers. He says, you put up with them. You let them speak untruth. And he says, to my shame, I'm too weak to do that. What anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. Again, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't like to say this. But anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. And then he asks questions. Are they Hebrews? And he begins to refer to they here. Probably referring to his accusers, his critics, that they're starting to believe in Corinth. And it sounds like his critics are Jewish people. Probably Judaizers, false teachers, whatever. So he, he asked these questions. Verse 22, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Now, friends, he's not bragging. Remember, he's already said, I'm really uncomfortable having to say this. But he's got these people out there who think they're more righteous than him, who think uh, he's not qualified to be an apostle, who question his motives. And so he's just got to say this. Verse 26, I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. How do you like that job description? That's the life of the Apostle Paul. Verse 27, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And he ends this description again with something very, very sad. He says, besides everything else, all this stuff, that i'm experiencing i face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches if if all of that physical stuff if all of that danger if all of the beatings if the imprisonments all those things aren't hard enough he says i face daily inside the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? <clears throat> he really cared. <clears throat> you know, when, when, when Paul addresses the criticisms, We see a lot of conviction when he does that. But we also see this continual concern for the people. Verse 30, he says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. The critics, the accusers, even some of you, Corinthians, may question my motives. You may question whether I deserve to be an apostle, You may question the way I do things, but he says, God knows. I'm not a liar. Do you get a sense for Paul's heart from all that? That's the life of an apostle. That's the life that Paul was living And so there is a very logical, important question that we would ask at this point after seeing this description. You know what it is? How can you do it, Paul? If that's your life, if that's what it's like to be an apostle, Why do you keep doing it? Why haven't you quit by now? Why haven't you thrown in the towel? It sounds terrible. Isn't that a logical question at this point? Would it be okay to say that there probably were times... When Paul, sitting alone somewhere, had those same thoughts. Well, what am I doing? It never ends. I'm hurting all the time, physically and emotionally. Everywhere I turn, there's opposition. People are saying things about me that aren't true. And even some of the people I love the most, I've invested so much time in, I care so much about, they close their hearts to me. Paul was not Jesus. He must have had those moments. no? But he kept going. He kept going. He didn't quit. How could he do that? Well, let me give you five things that kept him going. Five things that kept Paul from quitting and throwing in the towel. And there are five things he talks about to the Corinthians. He brings them up. The first one is he knew who he was. You can go right back to the first verse of this letter, the first statement he makes, and it's similar to the one he made at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, and it's similar to the ones he makes at the beginning of many of his letters. In 2 Corinthians one one, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, Paul knew who he was. Paul knew what his identity was. He was an apostle of Christ Jesus. He knew that he was a man saved by Jesus. He knew he was a forgiven man. Even though he saw himself as the worst of sinners... He knew he was a forgiven man. He knew he was a child of God. He knew who he was. And that kept him going. Second, he was obedient to his calling, his purpose. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 4, the chapter starts out this way. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. What kept him going? He was obedient to his ministry. He knew his purpose. And it kept him going. He was called to be an apostle, he was called to this ministry. And he said, knowing that, I will not lose heart, no matter what. Third, Paul was committed to the message. Remember in chapter 5, <clears throat> chapter 5 of Second Corinthians, starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Paul knew his message. He was committed to the message. It was the message of reconciliation. That sinners could be reconciled to God. His message was the gospel of Jesus Christ, of which he was not ashamed. That he knew was the power to salvation, the gospel. And he was committed to his message. So he kept going. He knew he was. He was called. He had a ministry, a purpose, a mission. And he was committed to the message that he was given to proclaim. Fourth, he had placed his reliance in the right place. Right at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1. Chapter 1. And verse 9 been talking here already at the beginning of some things he has to go through and in verse 9 he says indeed in our hearts we felt the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead Paul had placed his reliance in the right place he said I'm not relying on myself I'm relying on God who raises the dead I'm relying on him, not me. That's what kept him going. He was relying on God, God's power. This is the same Paul who said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That kept him going. His reliance was in the right place on God and God's power and God's guidance and the strength he got from God. And finally, what kept him going is that he loved the people he served. He just couldn't get away from it. They had closed their heart to him, but he couldn't close his heart toward them. He loved the people he served. He said in chapter 6, I have not taken my affection away from you. He loved these people. Whether they were believing accusations or criticisms or not, he loved them. And it kept him going. So the answer to the question, how could Paul keep going with all this stuff happening to him? All the pressures, all the concerns... The accusations, the criticisms, Uh, how could he keep going? What kept him from quitting? This is it. He knew who he was. He was obedient to his calling, his purpose. He was committed to the message, the gospel, that he was proclaiming. He placed his reliance in the right place. He relied on God, and he loved the people that he served. What about us? Let's just do a little application here. Now, none of us are going through all that Paul went through. We we can't relate to almost anything in the list, in any of those lists that Paul went through. Maybe a few things. But I think we all know what it's like to struggle. We all know what it's like to feel like you're always going uphill against the wind. Um, We know what it's like to feel maybe like the scum of the earth because of how people treat us. Maybe we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of false accusations and criticism that we know is not true. And we would be able to say, like Paul, God knows I'm not lying. God knows the truth. We may know what the pressures are like inside because of our love for people and what we see them doing and what they're going through. And the pressure on us just being so concerned. We may know what it's like to have opened our heart to somebody. And then they close their heart to us. We may know what some physical struggle is like. Pain. Um, Being so close to death, you can almost see it. I mean, we, we may know some of the things that Paul describes in the life of an apostle. And maybe you too... Have had the thought and maybe bring those thoughts with you today. I don't know if I can keep going. I, I don't know if I can continue. Um, I'm just too tired. I'm sick of this. Um, what can keep you going? (laughs) What can keep you from throwing in the towel? Well, let me quickly suggest it's the same things that kept Paul going. First of all, you need to know and be sure of who you are. You are a child of God. You are not your struggle. You are not your pain. You are not your anxiety. You are not the criticisms and the accusations. You are not those things. You are a child of God if you are a follower of Christ. You are a forgiven person. You are a person who is living an eternal life and will continue to live that eternal life with Jesus one day. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we could go on. Know who you are. Keep reminding yourself of who you are. It will help you keep going. Be obedient to your calling, your mission, your purpose. You have a purpose to bring glory to God, to exalt Him no matter what's happening in your life. You have a calling to live for Jesus, you have a message. You, too, have a message to share. It's the gospel. It's the message of the love of God that sent Jesus to the cross. It's the message of forgiveness being available, the message of salvation through Jesus, hope beyond the grave, that God can change a life. You have a message. You're an ambassador for Christ. Let that keep you going. Make sure you place your reliance in the right place. Rely on Jesus. Rely on the power of his spirit in you. Rely on God. Paul wasn't the only one who could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the same Jesus. Make sure your reliance is in the right place. And there are people who love you, and there are people you love, and that love can keep you going. So it's the same things that kept Paul going that can keep us going, keep us from quitting, throwing in the towel, no matter what's going on in our life. You know, uh, I've heard people, you know, when they're going through difficult times, they'll say, wow, I didn't sign up for this. You know, I didn't sign up for this. Well, you know what? The Apostle Paul did not sign up for what he experienced either. He didn't sign up to be an apostle. In fact, he was on his way to Damascus one day to keep doing what he was doing. Persecuting Christians. And his trip was interrupted by Jesus, who saved him and called him to be an apostle. He didn't sign up for it. Of course, you didn't sign up for what you're going through. You didn't even sign up to be a Christian. You were called. You were drawn. You were chosen. You didn't sign up. Lest you boast. So, friends, we experience a lot of things as followers of Christ that we didn't sign up for. But remember who you are. Remember you have a purpose no matter what's happening. Remember you have the greatest message that exists to share with the world. Make sure you put your reliance in the right place. And remember there are people who love you and people you love. Put all those things together and keep going. Put all those things together. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Paul didn't, and didn't he say a number of times, follow my example, imitate me. Here's a place where we can do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example of your Apostle Paul, who was a a human being just like us, and it must have been hard. And there must have been those moments, Lord, when He entertained thoughts that maybe He thought He would never entertain. But, Father, You kept Him going. And, uh, Lord, I pray that You would use the same things to keep us going, to keep us moving forward with You, no matter what. Lord Jesus, Thank you. Thank you for the promise to be there, to never forsake us. You gave us an identity. You gave us a purpose. You gave us a message. You give us the power. We can do it through you because you live in us. And you gave us the love, the love for you, the love for people that can keep us going. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling right now and maybe entertaining thoughts they never thought they would. Father, revive. Revive them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.